0: One of the most powerful things in this world is to get those around you to be able to buy in to your vision. But how do we do that? I sought out Michael Chernow, serial entrepreneur, restaurateur, podcast host, and wellness expert to get to the bottom of this question. We look at how exactly to cook up company culture that creates not just the best ambassadors for the company and the brand, but an ambassador for you for life. We talk what he's up to with creatures of habit, creating really these one-of-a-kind protagonist oats that will have you leaving all other oatmeal behind. Michael has turned his life around through a series of daily habits to be the man that you hear from today. He truly is this walking creature of habit. So grab your pen, your paper, your notebook, whatever you use, because you're going to want to take notes from him as we learn today. This is episode 166 with Michael Chernow. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp. Now let's get the show rolling. Awesome. Welcome back to Forever Athlete Radio. Today I'm joined by Michael Chernow, the culture cowboy. I love that you threw that nickname in a reel recently, man. And I want to start there. Where did that come from? And when did you really start to like embody that nickname? Great
1: question. Stoked to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I kind of coined myself the culture cowboy. A few years into running the meatball shop, I was thinking about a role like a title, my business partner, Daniel Holzman, and I kind of held this co-CEO thing mm-hmm. at, at Meatball Shop, but we were both so fresh out of being restaurant technicians, him being a chef, me being a manager, front of house. We just didn't think CEO or any sort of C-suite, C, you know, executive title made sense for guys like us. So I came up with chief creative officer first. And then I was like, that just doesn't sound like me. Like I'm the creative guy for sure at the company, but I was far more interested in culture. So I changed it from chief creative to chief culture officer. And then I was like, but I'm not really an officer. I'm a cowboy. So we're gonna go ahead and say culture cowboy. And that was really sort of how how it stuck you know i culture, as far as I'm concerned, is everything when you think about you know and not enough people think about culture when it comes to businesses, really
2: mm-hmm.
1: when you think about culture, you think about like traveling right like oh, I really want to immerse myself into the culture of, of naples and eat the pizza and go to the bars and dance to the music and 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 hear the way they speak and how do they celebrate how do they mourn how do they you know what 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 means how do they communicate um what kind of music do they listen to do they do they do they, do they perform all the things that define a culture culture is what defines a group of people is interesting to me and when I am developing a company or when I am running a company, I think what defines the people is how they're perceived. Mm. Um, the guest of the restaurant, the customer of the CPG company, how they are defined is how they are perceived. And so if they're defined And the way I think a company, uh, the the culture is defined is by the people that are within it communicating about it, right? So that is how they are defined, right? Like, uh, you know, you hear a French guy talk about wine. The French love their cheese and their wine, you know, and that is part, massive part of their culture. They're never going to say anything bad about it.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: But you ask somebody who's working, uh, you know, in an environment that's not awesome. They're going to say, I hate my fucking job. And so, you know, when I think about that, I I say, okay, well, I've got to make sure that that's not the way our culture is defined because that's not successful. And so I believe that culture is everything and business without great culture is dead. It just will not, it will not stand the, the, it, it, it will not withstand time if people are not excited to be there. And I just know that the easiest, most successful way to get to a happy customer is through a stoked, happy staff.
0: Mm. How do you make sure culture is not this like overused buzzword? Because I think in the past 10 years, especially in business, it's just got thrown around and dragged through the mud that it's, it's lost the magic that you're talking about and alluding to. So I guess the real question is what are you doing, whether it be in the restaurant space or now with Creatures of Habit, that you're making sure that culture just isn't a motto that you threw up on the sign that you see when you walk in the door, but it's actually something that's embedded in the day-to-day habits of your employees and staff. Well. I think that there are a few tips and
1: tricks I can offer here uh, that I actually alluded to also on on that post I did the other night that have, that are look, it's also there's also something else to be you know noted that <sighs> it, this the way I think about it and and how i um, the actions that I take as the founder of a company are not going to work for everybody. I am a guy who spent years and years of my life in front of people being a character in the restaurant world. Before I opened my own business, I had years of practice listening to people, communicating with people, giving people, going out of my way to like really, really offer an experience that people would remember as a front of house restaurant person. Mm. And I was really good at it, you know? And so I understand how to do that. And so not everybody does necessarily, right? And I'm not saying that, that people can't try and introduce things. But what I will say is this, very simply, hello, goodbye, and thank you are massively important from leadership. Mm -hmm. You can walk into the office or today, hop on a Google meet or Zoom call with your team. And you can either not say hello to anybody and like just walk straight to your corner office and be a dick, or you can stop and say hello to everybody. So you're the leader on the on the Zoom call. You got 14 screens, you know, you know, 14 squares. You can get right down to business, or you can say, "What's going on, John? How's everything going?" Hey, Sally, how are you? Do- how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I remember? Hey, uh, you know, Mary, Merry Christmas. I hope you know we haven't spoken since the holidays. Like that, from leadership, costs nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For leadership, and go incredibly far, so at, when I was man you know when I was when I was running the restaurants, I w- would walk into a restaurant, I would make it my priority to say hello to every single staff member, both in the front of the house, in the back of the house that I would mean upstairs and downstairs, before I did anything, and it wasn't because I was trying to win these people is because I genuinely wanted to say hello to them. Right. And one other thing that I made sure to do was randomly, if I walk by somebody, let's just say it's a Friday night, it's, you know, summertime in New York city. I walk by the dish pit, which is the dishwashing station of the restaurant, which keeps the restaurant going without it all hell breaks loose. It's impossible to run the restaurant without clean dishes. Mm. So I would walk past the dish pit. I'd be like, oh shit, I should go say thank you to these guys. I'd turn around. I'd put my hand on the dishwasher's shoulder. I'd look him or her in the eyes and I'd say, I need you to know how much I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you're doing right now. That took me 15 seconds to do. Change that guy's night. Guy, gal's night. -hmm. Change tonight, and then at the and then when I'm ready to leave the restaurant, I walk my I walk around and I make sure to say goodbye to everyone. No one will ever ever say the owner didn't say hello to me or goodbye to me ever at one of my restaurants when I'm there. Period. They won't never. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've worked for other people where an owner just never even thought to pay me a a, 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 even even a glance that is what creates the culture culture is something where culture is like passion and love. And, uh, and so hello, goodbye. Thank you. Genuine, genuinely listening to what others are saying. Don't say much, listen way more than you speak. Because you are going to learn so much more from listening to your team than they are going to be. They are going to learn from you speaking. You don't learn shit from speaking. And so if you really want your staff to appreciate their jobs, listen to what they have to say. Uh, Because that's a big deal for me. I learned a lot. I learned to shut my mouth and start listening way more. Uh, And that's 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 huge. And this goes for any, any industry. This goes for family too.
0: I was going to say it's a family. pretty universal theme there, right? It's not just yeah. exclusive to the restaurant world. Yeah, um, you know And, uh,
1: and it goes for, for relationships and friendships, you know, thinking about being kind. Mm. And, uh, and knowing that your staff... Uh, or your wife or husband or kids or friends um, can really rely on you to listen to what they have to say.
0: Yeah. I feel like genuine curiosity is so overlooked these days. You know what I mean? Just having the one, it has to be authentic. And it was interesting to hear as you were talking through all of that, like the shifts in your tones and voice as you were going through this, but I could tell it's like a genuine ask, like, how is the family doing? How is everything going around you? Thank you for doing this. Just having the, I think the self-awareness speaks volumes to actually not just be curious, but act on it as well and have it be authentic, uh, which is another thing that gets thrown around these days. I also
2: (laughs)
1: think like, you know, and, and then, you know, because people have given me some, some Some feedback on, well, that's, you know, that's easy to do when you have a small business or a small company. Mm -hmm. And, and my answer back to them is like, well, that's a great excuse as to why you want to look at the glass half empty. Um, But as your company grows, you build managers, right? And then those managers grow into executives. And then those executives grow into real chiefs, right? And so, as long as the the communication is consistent with the teams as they grow, mm. you're not going to be able to talk to, you know, at a certain, you know, at meatball shop or Seymour's, right. I had, you know, each company was, you know, 350 people. So it was, was it wasn't easy for me to talk to 350 people all the time. No, it wasn't easy, but it's certain, but each restaurant had, you know, four managers. So if there's six restaurants, is it easy for me to talk to 24 people regularly? You bet your ass it is, you know? And, uh, and I did because it was important to me. You know, there's an interesting thing that, I, that I, I, I actually believe wholeheartedly in. It is impossible to run a successful business without knowing how much money you're spending and how much money you're making, right? you mm. need to know those things. It's, 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 it's necessary yeah. <laughs> so having a really smart financials team and, and looking at your P and L and being very comfortable understanding the P and necessary. However, if the people don't like you, they're not going to, they're not going to spend money with you. Like, mm. you know, I used to say to one of my partners who really is a very smart guy, but all he cares and cared about was the p l So we would start every meeting, every manager's meeting going over the p and every manager meeting going over the p l It's scary stuff, man. That, that's not fun stuff. It's, it's never fun in the restaurant business. The margins are so slim. It's like you, you're not gonna, it's not gonna be good ever you know what i mean and so imagine starting a meeting every imagine starting every single meeting scared who wants to do that so i basically said hey man listen if you ever think there was ever one time six restaurants thousands of people a week we feed thousands 25000 Do you think for one second that there was ever a guest that walked to the doors of our restaurant and said, hmm, I wonder what the P&L looked like today? Not once, never, this doesn't happen. However, the one thing that we're focused on primarily, the P&L, how does that work? How does that make sense? It does not make sense. It does not make sense. So anybody listening here who makes the P&L the number one priority for your business, not going to, not going to be successful long-term. Maybe, maybe you can keep the wheels on, but if it doesn't become about the, the staff and the customer's experience, mm. it will be short-lived. It will. If you only care about the money, it will be short-lived. I promise that is true. So I'm not saying don't do P&L, definitely do P&L. But when you make P&L more important than personality, than your culture and the character of the business,
0: I just don't believe in it, you know? I love love that point too. You know, one of the things I've, I won't even say some experience. I, I was in the country club, Space before doing all of this full time, so got some experience in the service-based industry, hospitality, and understanding. And it's like, man, in a lot of ways, Country Club is really nice because it operates as a not-for-profit, so we didn't have to really worry too much about P and L. But I also was, you're throwing me back earlier when you're talking about just saying hi to every the value that every staff provided to the overall production, whether it was someone that was making my dinner that would allow me to like continue teaching 10 classes of fitness a day or whatever it may be as I'm running from boot camp to boot camp and client to client, just like taking a second to be like, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you're bringing me back, man. I appreciate it. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you and kind of shifting gears in some ways, but still culture you've in some ways you've pivoted to creatures of habit and being the CPG brand that has blended kind of all of your experiences up until this point, right? Like your passion for health, wellness, and fitness tied that into building out a solid foundation. I'm a huge fan of oatmeal, but you're not selling oatmeal. You're selling this lifestyle that comes with the superfood oatmeal. Where did that come from? Because oatmeal is not an easy thing to sell, I would imagine. It's been around for freaking years and it's been boring for years so you're revamping it <laughs> if you think about my trajectory historically
1: i opened up a restaurant that sold meatballs right then i opened up a restaurant that sold bluefish tacos so i wasn't doing anything uh that was like reinventing the wheel right i wasn't like the next cronut guy Hmm. What I did was, I took my inherent ability to understand what people like, my ability to curate an environment and an experience that I believe people will enjoy, and sell whatever I want. <laughs> you know, like, and, and by the way, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a real authentic story to Meatball Shop, incredibly authentic story to Seymour's, and probably just about the most authentic story to Creatures of Habit, the protagonist Oats. Mm. I'll, I'll just quickly run through all three, right? Meatball yeah. Shop story, I worked in an Italian restaurant for eight and a half years, for staff meal three nights a week, I would order the rigatoni al ragu, which is probably the best dish on the menu. Big bowl of rigatoni pasta with meatballs and sausage and the best tomato sauce you've ever had. But I didn't want a big bowl of pasta late night. So I would order the rigatoni ragu sans the rigatoni. So I'd get this big bowl of meatballs and sausage and tomato sauce with a side of broccoli, spinach, and a beet salad. And that's what I would eat three, four nights a week. Three nights a week, salmon a couple of nights. That was the meatball shop. So that's what started the meatball shop. That is the meatball shop menu: big bowl of tomato sauce and meatballs, mm-hmm. sides of veggies, and that's what, that's what inspired it. And um, and I owe a lot to Frank Prizmzano, who was you know, who's a, the owner of that restaurant, who just gave me a place to really, you know, cut my teeth and and wish me well on on the meatball shop thing. But that that was it, you know. And and what I did was i um i i created that that idea uh with my partner daniel and um and we launched that business but we attached really great music really awesome service in a cool neighborhood uh with great people and that's what happened and that's why that thing took off so well seymour's i grew up in new york city but on sundays uh as a kid, I would go fishing out of Captree or Freeport Long Island um, with my sports team, you know, between like ages nine to thirteen, twelve, thirteen. We would go every Sunday, leave at like 4 30 in the morning. We'd go out to the party boats in Long Island, and we would go fishing on Sundays for flounder, fluke, blackfish, you know, whatever was running. And so that part, that that was a big part of my childhood, passionate about fishing. When I was thinking about doing a seafood restaurant after running the meatball shop for about three, four years, I said, you know, it's really interesting that I grew up fishing in New York, yet you never see the fish I grew up catching on menus. All you see is tuna, halibut, cod, you know, uh, lobster, shrimp, scallops. Uh, salmon, you didn't, you didn't really see the flounders, the flukes, the tilefish, the tautog, the monkfish, the porgy, the, the stuff that's like heavily abundant in this area. And the more I started to uncover, the more I started to learn that like those fish are highly abundant, totally underutilized and sustainable and cost a fraction of the price of what tuna, salmon, halibut, cod, lobster, black, you know, whatever. Mm. And so I uncovered this really cool thing. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna introduce bluefish and and flounder and porgy to New York. I'm I'm gonna be able to do it in a really cool way because I know how to create an environment that people are gonna get excited to come in and partake in. I'm just gonna start feeding them stuff that's new for them. And they're gonna like it because it's gonna be delicious. And that's what we did. And it worked. Um, Similarly with with, with, uh, Creatures of Habit, I knew that I was going to do something in the wellness arena. I wasn't sure if it, you know, originally it was going to be a restaurant, then the pandemic hit. However, I was going to launch that restaurant knowing that I didn't love scaling restaurants. I really wanted to grow the business of Creatures of Habit, have this home-based restaurant, and then make products in the restaurant to, to put in like a small little retail area, see what the guests were, were, were taking home with them, whether it was sauces or grain-free, gluten-free bread or, or granola or whatever it was. And then I was going to see what was c- c- catching on and then invest money into those products and create a line of CPG to sell retail. That was going to be the trajectory of the Creatures of Habit business. And uh, when the pandemic hit, I said, you know what? I know how to build a brand. I know how to build culture. I am going to draw a line through the restaurant because I can't open a restaurant right now and go direct to consumer. And I was on a run at my house upstate. And I said, I really got to think about how I'm going to launch this brand. What am I going to do? Like, what is the product that I am going to be able to sell online that I think will move the needle, will get people excited. Mm -hmm. And boom, the first thing that came up for me was oatmeal. And the reason why is because when I was, uh, I'm sober now, 17 plus years, right? 17 and a half years. When I was a 23 year old guy working in restaurants and, you know, the nightlife in New York city, I was still a great guy, but I was, I was deep in, in the throes of addiction, deep, you know, whatever I, it was terrible. I was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, and I did a good job at like keeping a, keeping a job and, but, but ultimately I, I, uh, I was deep in the throes of addiction. I hated myself and I was miserable. These two guys took me under their wing and they really dragged me off the street and into, uh, into a Muay Thai kickboxing gym. And because these guys were so cool, uh, I really, it was, a, it was like the perfect time for me to find an older brother. I needed an older brother. I needed a mentor. And these two guys that I thought were very cool were sober. They were badass, and they, they saved my life. And they basically said, here's the deal, kid. We know, what we, we know that you have what it takes to change. This is a plan that we're going to put together for you. And if you stick to this, the sky's the limit. We believe in you. And I was like, No one said that to me ever, really, um, because no one has. And so they said, you're going to wake up early in the morning. You're going to ask for help from the universe. You're going to have a big bowl of oatmeal because you probably haven't put a nutritious thing in your body in the last 10 years. And this is going to be the easiest thing to get into your system uh, that takes no time and you can make taste really good. And then you're going to meet us over at this meeting. We're going to talk about your problems. <laughs> and then we're going to go to the gym and we're going to kick the shit out of you. And we're going to teach you what it means to have commitment, dedication, humility, honesty, discipline. And, uh, and then you're going to go home and you're going to eat chicken and broccoli. And then you're going to take a nap and then you're going to go to work and you're gonna eat chicken and broccoli at like 10 o'clock at night. And then you're gonna work until 12 or one and you're gonna do the whole thing all all over again. And that's that's the plan that we're gonna give you. And if you can stick to that plan, you're golden. And that's what I was thinking about because I've been eating oatmeal every single day for 17 years because those guys gave me that foundation, that platform. Mm. It's really interesting that oatmeal is a big component as to my journey. And when I was on that run about a year and a half and change ago, I said, I know this is crazy. (laughs) When I got back from the run and told my wife that this is what I was going to do, she like laughed at me, Um, but it's my truth. And let me tell you, it's working. Hmm. At Creatures of Habit, I'm not selling oatmeal. I'm selling you hope that If I can do it, you can do it. And this is one of the things that helped me do it. Commit to one great thing a day. One, you want to change your life? You're not going to change everything overnight. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to... Lose weight, get in shape, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop eating meat, stop eating gluten, stop eating dairy, stop eating sugar, go to bed earlier, wake up earlier. Like, you know, it's all those fucking things. I say. Don't wait to change your life till a specific date shows up in the calendar. Commit to one great thing a day. Do it consistently. Mm whether that's the oatmeal that I'm giving you or something else, right? Commit to one great thing a day and just watch how great decisions make great decisions. They do. I know it's, I know it's true. You're, you're looking at or hearing a guy that overdosed on heroin, almost died legitimately swore to God that he would never do it again and then went on a death march for two weeks until he was brought to his knees to change no one would have given me a dollar and ever thought that they would get it back you know I'm here to tell you that I am a changed man and I'm not unique I'm no snowflake I was given an opportunity to to learn how to commit and make a decision to be better and it doesn't happen for the rest of your life. It happens on a daily basis. You can do it with fitness. You can do it with nutrition. You can do it with mindset. You can do it with love. You don't, when you think about making a decision forever, Mm. sucks. but when you think about when you wake up in the morning, oh yeah, I'm gonna do that now. I'm gonna do that today. You know, I could walk you through my morning routine if you, if you want to hear that, because that's a, like my
0: morning routine is intense. Um, It's not intense for me. Yeah. I'd be Uh, curious to, I'd be curious to hear what it is. And I just want to say, I appreciate you sharing so much of your journey to that point. I mean, there's again, so much stuff that I resonate with and I'm I'm one year at this point uh, myself. So it's, it's always interesting to hear. To your point, of like people look at it forever. That's the question that I keep getting now that it's a year. It's like, okay, well, so, like, when are you going to stop that? <laughs> I'm like, why can't I just focus on today and like enjoying today and having a conversation with someone like you and see what happens from there? I don't need to think about the wedding that I'm going to a month from now and if that will or will not cause me to do whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but I'd love to hear your morning routine. Where does it start? I love, I love when people lead that it's going to be an intense one. So curious the habits there. Um, so my
1: morning routine starts at typically around 445. I don't set an alarm. I wake up somewhere between four forty-five and five oh three every day. <laughs> it's rare that I get like this morning, however, I will say this. This morning I didn't wake up until 5 50. And that was because I was forced to go to bed later the night mm-hmm. before. And so I'm not, you know, I, I like my, my habits are very important to me. However, I also know that like, if I, if my eyes open up at 450 and I know I didn't get to bed till 1045, I'm going to try to close my eyes again and push everything back a little bit. And I'm okay with that. Like, it's not so insanely rigid that like I beat myself up or I'm willing to sacrifice like success throughout the day to just do that. So I wake up typically at 445 in the morning. Uh, the moment I know that I'm awake, the moment I'm like, okay, Michael, you are awake. I flip my eye mask up, I look up at the ceiling and I smile from ear to ear, a shit eating grin, a real smile, teeth shining, real smile. And I I begin to think about things I'm grateful for. Typically those things are all my family, my wife, my two kids. And they show up typically at our breakfast table in the morning in my head. That's the first image I get that I'm so grateful that I have these wonderful people in my life. And so I'm smiling. I'm really holding that that smile because a lot of us wake up with anxiety and stress about what the day is going to bring. And so if you can start your day with a little serotonin boost, Smiling actually does release serotonin into the blood. So if you hold it for like 15, 20 seconds, not only will you feel this warmth, optimism and positivity sort of wash over your body, but it's almost so ridiculous that it's funny that you're doing it. And so you might even get an out loud laugh, which I, which I get, you know, I'm like, this is so ridiculous that I'm sitting like this. Like if anybody were to see me right now, they would they would be like, what is that guy doing? Uh, but I hold that smile and that's what the first thing I do. Immediately after I smile, I get up, I sneak into the bathroom. Um, and these days actually my wife has now asked me to use the bathroom downstairs because our bathroom here, I could tend, I can wake them up. So, so now I get up, I grab the dog, I walk downstairs and I use the downstairs bathroom. I immediately drop on my knees and I ask for help. Uh, I ask, uh, the universe for help. I'm not really a religious guy, but I do ask for help because I struggled with asking for help for, for a long time. And I still do at times, but you know, I've had enough, enough great people tell me and me hear and listen and read, uh, things that other great people have said that have led me to believe that asking for help is, is, is our number one asset. So when we, that we can do it all alone, you know, and so I struggled with that. So I start my day with asking for help and guidance, um, and, and humility and to be of service. So I do that. I bang out 50 pushups. Sometimes it's 25, depending on how I feel. Uh, I then, uh, you know, put on my contacts, brush my teeth. Um, I've, in, I've introduced a, a skincare program into my life, which I did not ever do before up until about a year. It, it, it happened in the pandemic. So now I like actually wash my face in the morning. I splash cold water on it. I I've got this like really awesome, um, serum that I, I like put on my face that makes me feel good. And then I put face moisturizer on, um, and then I floss and then I do a quick brush after that again. And so I say those things because I never, ever gave myself that gift. Mm. It's a gift. Having the time, waking up early, like really loving myself, you know, like, and I, and I don't say that in like an egotistical cocky way. I say that in, I wake up super early in the morning so that I can really, really love myself, give myself the time that I deserve to take my time. Right, so I do that. I do my my face stuff. I do that, and uh, if I'm training for a competition of some sort, bodybuilding or whatever it is, I'll take a piss and I'll step on the scale. If I'm not competing or anything like that, I don't step on the scale and 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 worry about that. Um, and then I uh, and then I head out into into the living room uh, where I light some candles. That's the first thing I do because I don't turn on the lights. I love candlelight. I feel like mm. candlelight just does something for the brain. Um, I light some candles. And then, uh, I go and I have, uh, a 20 ounce, uh, glass of room temperature water with the juice of a half a lemon and a couple of pinches of pink Himalayan salt, drink that. Um, and then I, uh, I'll push the hot water to get the hot water going on my coffee, um, on my, uh, my, my hot water kettle. I'll, uh, I'll mix up some athletic greens, uh, while my coffee's warming up. Um, and then, uh. Typically, like after I start sipping my athletic greens, I sit down to meditate. And so I'll meditate for 10 minutes. By the time I'm done meditating, my water is perfect. I set up my coffee pour over the night before. So it's just ready for me in the morning. Mm. I'm done meditating. I pour my coffee, um, and then I I sit down to journal. And this is probably around 545-ish, 550. I journal for about 10-15 minutes while I'm drinking my coffee and uh, it's my favorite time in the morning. My older son, Finn, comes downstairs almost like clockwork at six o'clock in the morning, sits on my lap. I stop what I'm doing and I just hold him and we cuddle. (laughs) We cuddle for about five, 10 minutes until the rest of the family comes up. We talk, you know, I'll turn on the light a little bit, uh, and then uh, I hang out with the family for a little bit um, for about an hour or so, at which point I, uh, I've i got a gym in my garage at home. So I'll drink a pre-workout, pop into the gym from like 7 to 8.30, 9, um, and then uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I take my kids to school. Uh, other than that, I'll work out. As soon as I'm done working out, I have my protagonist, of course, which is my post-workout meal one every day. I train fasted and then I'm at the desk ready to work by like 930, 10, you know, and that's my morning routine. And so I used to read as well, uh, but I've taken I've I've, I've taken reading out of it and I read later on in the day when I'm alone Mm. because I felt like I was rushing through my reading and I wasn't actually retaining any of the shit. So I like to read 10 pages a day Um, and some, and some, I don't make, I don't make it all the time, but that's my morning routine. And I do it every single day. And, um, and I love it. I really love it. Like I, I can't wait to go to bed at night so I can wake up and, and have that time. You know, I don't, I put myself first in my life before my wife and before my kids. And I say that not in a selfish way. I say that in a selfless way, because I know that when I, I'm able to put myself first, meaning I wake up way before they do so I can do all this shit. When I'm well inside, when I feel well, I am a better father, a better husband, a better son, brother, business owner, business partner, friend, all of it. I'm better. I'm better. And when I link those habits, those morning habits together and finish with that nutritional piece that I fucking love, that I've earned, I've earned it. I love it it finishes up my morning routine. It's a big win for me. This, this like nutritional habit that I, that I, that I do with the, with, with the protagonist oats. It's just like my It's like my favorite, like, this is what I, you know, still got it sitting here. This is, this is like what I love. I, 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 it's, it's a, it's a wonderful reward to have, you know? Um, Anyway, I know I get deep on that, but it's so important to me.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely, man. You should get deep on that. It's it's you showing up for yourself in the most selfless way because you see what you're able to do and pour into others and the way that you show up. And you know, I just got to say, I'm I'm grateful for you sharing that and you showing up the way that you've shown up today. And just you bring a lot of energy, man. So I'm, I just want to acknowledge you there. I got two, like, one last question before we go into like fast five rapid fire. What would you say your weirdest habit is? Of maybe something that you do that someone hearing it would be like, "What the heck?" But it works for you. It's tried true. Hmm. Uh, my weirdest habit. That's
1: a great one. Um, I guess weird is relative, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I've got a bunch of habits that I do throughout the day. I don't, you know, the truth is, I don't know if I have any like really weird ones. I, I have a bunch of habits that I make sure to do. Mm. I'm stumped, man. I don't know if I have any super weird habits. Maybe the, maybe the. Um, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have okay. any weird ones. I think I, I think I have a lot of habits in my, you know, that I do throughout my day that people would love to be able to do. Like, I've got a few that are like, leave it the way I want to find it. You know, I don't ever leave my office without taking the time to clean my desk mm. so that when I come back in the next day, if it is stress-free. I do the exact so I'm. This might like people would look at me as like a bit of an obsessive, compulsive kind of guy, because I, when I work out in my gym, I don't. You would not ne- if you walked in there randomly, you would never know that somebody used the gym, mm. because I am an animal about keeping it. Every single weight goes back into the spot where it came from. It, it's it's spotless. You know, and and it's because I really know that it takes me no time to put that stuff back. No time. Less than five minutes for all the things that I'm saying. Clean the room before you leave it. Clean the office before you leave it. Do the dishes and clean the kitchen before you're done with it. Leave the gym the way you found, you know, the way you want to find it. Like these things take no time and people neglect them. Mm. And it just adds to the stress in life. So I would just say, leave it the way you fi- want to find it is a big one for me. Huge, huge one uh, that people might think could potentially be a little
0: obsessive. I love it, man. I'm um, very similar. It's always easier to just leave the dishes. And then it sounds like a great idea until you go to make the next thing. And you're like, oh, shit, I should have <laughs> done that earlier, you know? Um I want to ask you the fast five. So they're one sentence, one word, rapid fire, as we kind of wind things down here. First one, other than your podcast, what's the podcast that you're jamming out to right now?
1: I love the Huberman podcast, mm-hmm.
0: Andrew Huberman.
1: I really do think that that guy, I get a lot of great content from him. And I also think that David Sinclair just just dropped um, this uh, this sort of life longevity thing that I've I've been really itching to get. Uh, the third episode out of, out of him. So, so I, I, I like that, that, that sort of nerdy science stuff.
0: Heck yeah, man. You'll have to check out flow research collective. It's one of my favorites. Flow research, flow research collective. I'll send it to you afterwards. Okay. Cool. Um, if you're into that, all that fun stuff. Number two is what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year?
1: My favorite book that I've read in the past year. Um, Essentialism. I like a lot. Uh, I really love that book. Actually, you've got it sitting right here, Uh, Greg McCown. I love it. I've read it before, and I'm actually rereading it right now. Um, It's the most relevant in my mind, so I'm, I'm, I'm sharing it. I really do love this book, though. It's a great book for anybody out there looking at.
0: Amazing, man. What's a quote that you live by?
1: Learn to love the heart and the hurt. Mm. That's that's a Michael Chernow original.
0: We'll coin it. We'll we'll get the graphics all made up for you. Don't you worry. Um, Number four is what's something that you can't live without?
1: Something that I can't live without, like a thing or an activity? Anything. Oh, God. Trick question.
0: I mean, my wife and my kids. Perfect. You nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, (laughs) Last one, number five, you could sum it up into one word. What's your focus right now? Creatures of habit. KOH. We'll just, we'll condense it, right? In the initials. Um, Well, Michael, man, I, I do, again, just want to acknowledge you and say, I appreciate you being here, sharing your gifts, sharing what has worked for you and sharing hope, most importantly, with those listening in. Where can people connect with you? Where can they connect with Creatures of Habit and really keep up with everything that you're doing? You can connect with Creatures of Habit. And just remember, it's
1: Creatures of Habit with a K. Um, so Creatures of Habit with a K. And for anybody that li- that's listening right now and you want to give Creatures of Habit a try, um, you can go over to CreaturesofHabit.com. That's CreaturesofHabit with a K.com and use the... Um, promo code OATS10 and get 10% off your first order. That's just a little gift for you guys. Um, and then you can check us out on social media, wherever you look at social media, Creatures of Habit uh, with a K. And then of course, if you want to follow along my journey, I'm at Michael Chernow everywhere. All social media handles and uh, and everywhere. I, I'm most active on TikTok and Instagram right now.
0: I love it, man. You lucked out getting your name on all the platforms across the board, right? Not everyone's (laughs) fortunate enough. Uh, Michael, again, thank you. And remember guys, you're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio. Together we go far. Go check out Michael. Go check out Creatures of Habit. We'll be all linked below. I'll see you all next time.